I'd like you to turn into your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read the first six verses and then from 11 to 16. So that's Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And if you drop down to verse 11, please. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I hope you brought your Bibles with you this morning because I have every intention of having you use them. And so please turn with me to the book of Exodus. The guys are going to come around and collect the cups, so you don't need to hang on to them. But if you would turn with me, here's one more... Uh, you, yeah. It's important to know who does what sometimes. And, and many of you are familiar with the story that I tell about my nephew, uh, my wife's youngest sister, her youngest boy. He is the youngest, isn't he, Zach? No? Second middle one. He's finished high school right now, but when he started kindergarten, my, my, my sister-in-law brought him to his kindergarten class, and as they were getting, you know, used to being there, all the mums were there and, and everything else, uh, Exodus 25 we want to start at, by the way. Um, but, but anyway, as, as they were, you know, kind of settling into the class, one of the little kids raised his hand and he said, So, who wipes the bums around here? <laughs> now, when, when you're in kindergarten, that's important to know. I mean, like, like, that's, you know, that's prime information. Like, people would pay for that. Lindsay, I'm getting some feedback here, dude. All right. So... You know, the, the reality is when, when my grandkids started kindergarten, they, had, they couldn't start school until they had learned to do that little chore themselves. 
But um, I guess his mama hadn't taught him a whole lot yet. But it's important to know, like, who does things around here as a church? Now, we're talking about oh, let's, being on the ball for fall. And, and here's, here are some of the things that we do. And then we're going to talk about who does things around here. So, Lindsay, let's kill the lights and run that video. All right, hate to be talking about fall when summer hasn't started. Would much rather be talking about, about this, uh, you know, with, uh, if this was the beginning of December, I'd much rather be talking about spring. But we do want to talk about fall so that we're not caught flat-footed like we often are. All right, so who does what around here? Let's go back to the Old Testament. And here's Moses and the Israelites have just come out of the, out of the land of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've... they've been traveling for several months and on the third month they come to the desert of Sinai and God calls Moses up on the mountain. That's where he gets the Ten Commandments and all this other fun stuff. So uh, in, in chapter 25, God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings like the pattern I will show you. And so God on the mountain of Sinai showed Moses this pattern for this tabernacle, this dwelling place that he wanted Israel to build for him. Skip over to chapter 31. So Moses is shown this blueprint, and God says, Have them make this for me, and I will dwell with them and be their God. Chapter 31, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Moreover, I have appointed Oholiab, son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. And then jump down to the last little sentence of verse 11. They are to make them just as I commanded you. So after God gave Moses those instructions, he came down from the mountain. You know, they had all the golden calf thing and everything else. And after they got through that, um, they started working on this tabernacle. Chapter 35. And verse 4. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing, 
is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ramskins dyed red, and hides of sea cows. Those are um, manatees. Um, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Now God had set aside Bezalel and Aholiah, but he said, I have also given skill to other people. All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. And there's a whole list of things that God gave that needed to be built. Verse 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting for all its service and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, Guys, um, came and brought gold, jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ramskins dyed red, or hides of sea cows, brought them, those presenting an offering of silver or bronze, brought it to the offering to the Lord. And everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled woman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, or scarlet yarn, or fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the skills spun the goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Verse 29, all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of craft to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and Aholiab, son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. So Bezalel, Oholiab, and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord commanded. And so they started working. And then they ran out of material. No, they didn't. They had so much. They had to tell people to stop giving. It's kind of like the pastor who said, we're having a building program. The good news is uh, we have enough money in this church to build a new building. That's the good news. The bad news is it's still in your wallets. So, So they went to work. Verse 4, chapter 36. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. So Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else. That's enough. Now, 
follow along with me and see if you pick up a theme here somewhere. Let's get into, they started working on the tabernacle. All the skilled men among the, women, among the workmen, verse 8, chapter 36, verse 8, all the skilled men among the workmen made the tabernacle. All right. Verse 11, then they made. Verse 12, they also made. Verse 13, then they made. Verse 14, they made curtains of goat hair. Um, verse 17, they made 50 loops along the edge. Um, verse 19, then they made for the tent a covering of ram skins. Verse 20, they made upright frames. Um, verse 31, they also made crossbars of acacia. Verse 34, they overlaid. Verse 35, they made the curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. Verse 36, they made four posts of acacia wood. Uh, they made gold hooks. Um, verse 37, for the entrance, they made a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, uh, the work of an embroiderer, and they made five posts. Uh, verse th chapter 37, verse 1, Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood. He made the ark. Verse 6, he made the atonement cover. Um, then, verse 10, they talk about the table. They made the table of acacia wood. Verse 12, they also made it around it a rim. Verse 13, they cast four rings. Um, verse 16, and they made from pure gold the articles for the table. Verse 17, they made the lampstand. Um, verse 23, they made its seven lamps as well as its wicks, trimmers, and, and trays of pure gold. They made the lampstands and all its accessories. Uh, the altar of incense, verse 25, they made the altar of incense. Uh, verse 27, they made two gold rings. Verse 29, they also made the sacred oil. Are you getting a hint here of a theme? Like, who's doing the work around here? They. Not some hired gun. Not some professional. They. It gets better. Chapter 38, they built the altar. <laughs> uh, you know, they made the bronze basin. Verse 8. Uh, they, they made the courtyard, and so on it goes. They made all the clothing, and so finally, um, verse chapter 40, or chapter 39, verse 32. So all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. God gave Moses the blueprint who did the work. They did. So how does that apply to church? Well, the Holy Spirit gives gifts, right? Why? So you can use them, okay? Um, now, when your daddy or your mama give you a birthday gift, what are the, what are the kind of stuff do they usually give you? Hopefully not socks and underwear. Oh, Maria, it looks like you're going to have a good story to tell. I want to listen to this later on. You want to come up here and tell the rest? No, okay. <laughs> okay. 
you know, but sometimes they give you, give you gifts just to make you feel good, to make you feel special. My dad bought me a watch one time. You know, I said, Dad, why'd you buy me a watch? Because well, I wanted to, he said. You know, th- thanks, Dad, that's very nice. But, you know, I had a nice watch, and ah, but this one's better. So that was nice, but why does the Holy Spirit give us gift? 1 Corinthians 12 says that, that the gifts are given for the common good. They're intended to use them. You know what? Church is not a spectator sport. And God gives us gifts so that we can use them. You see, the passage that Ken read for us earlier, turn there with me, Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, it was he, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service, not to do the work, to prepare God's people to do the work. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So who does what around here? Whose job is it to do stuff around here? They did, yeah. What's my job? To provoke, eh? spur you on toward good works. But you know what? For 20 some odd years, I've recruited people from other churches to work in some of our kids' programs. For many years, our Sparks program was staffed by our young people. And a lot of them have grown up and, uh, and moved on. And, um, you know, but we have people here to do the work. But what happens sometimes as we get a little older, our attitudes start to change. Now the reality is that because of health and different things, we may not be as vigorous as we can be, but this attitude that says, I've done my bit, it's time for someone else to step in, I don't see that in Scripture anywhere. And frankly, a lot of our people have developed what I call an expectant attitude where people will say, well, I deserve something. I deserve to have stuff coming from me. And that's not just seniors. When I was in the hospital on Thursday, I had this, this, this angiogram, and they shot a thing up my wrist, and, uh, and four times they did this, up my wrist, up my arm, and, and around, and up into my heart, and ooh, it felt good. And like I said, they couldn't give me any happy drugs because my heartbeat was down to 45 beats a minute already, and they didn't want to slow it down anymore. So afterwards, after I was done, like before I got, oh, here, here's a good, this, this is a trip around, here's a freebie. My daughter says to me, my daughter Sandy, works in the hospital in Nippon. Kathy did too. Daughter says to me, Dad, bring underwear. You need underwear, Dad. We've seen way too much stuff in the hospital. Bring underwear. Guess what was the first thing they took away from me? (laughs) 
So I'm in the short-stay cardiac unit in, in, in RUH in bed four. They called me bed four. So I come back up into my room, and some of the other people have already gone, and, and I'm one of the only ones left. And this is all cool and everything. And Sandy, our daughter, had been sitting there waiting for me. We showed up there at, at, at 8 o'clock in the morning and you know went through all the rigmarole and everything. And finally um, came back up there, uh, went down for my, my procedure around 10 or so, came back around quarter to 1. And, and uh, then so there was this, this post-procedure care where... Uh, they had to look after me and tell me not to do things and whatever else. Great team of people. And, but there were other people there. Plus, there was another room with one lady in it. And this lady had an expectant attitude. You should have heard the staff talking about it. Who wants to go deal with Mrs. So-and-so? Well, not me. I don't want to go over there. You want to go over there? No, I don't want to go over there. You know? And, and so there's, there's this expectant attitude. And so my daughter heard this, and, and Rocky, my, my nurse, he, he bugged her a couple times, and he says, you know, like Sandy came back with the Starbucks coffee for me, and, and he says, well, you didn't get me one. Sandy says, I'm going for coffee. Uh, you know, what do you want? Oh, no, we don't want anything. Sandy says, no, I'll buy coffee for everybody. I'll buy coffee for, for all the nurses here. Bed four's daughter's going for coffee. Who wants coffee? Guess which bed got all the, all the care? <laughs> and it, expecting that. You see, in church, Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you're coming to church to be served, you're in the wrong place. We serve other people. Our job here, your job is to serve. My job is to serve. Jesus said, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you see, we have people that, that want to be served. They want to come to church. I want to come to church. I want to sit there. And if I don't get what I want, I'm going to leave and I'm going to complain. Now, this never happens here because you always get what you want here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, right? But you know what? It takes all of us to do the work that goes on around here. Now, some of you kids' stuff isn't your thing. But you know what? There are more kids coming. You can serve some of these kids. I got a phone call this morning here, 6.30 in the morning. Now, I woke up at 4.30 when the power went out because my phone went beep right beside my head, and I couldn't go back to sleep after that. So I went upstairs where there was light in the bathroom, and I showered up there and all the rest of that. I got here this morning. Now, normally, my normal procedure is to go to A&W, grab a sausage and egg and a large black coffee and come over here and have breakfast. Well, I couldn't do that because, you know, the power was off and everything. But I came here and the power was on at church. So go figure, that worked. Anyway, I'm here right around 6 this morning. 6.30, the phone rings. And I'm looking. I, who's going to phone at 6.30 in the morning? Like, it's got to be a wrong number. And I looked at the name. And I recognized that name, and so I picked up the phone. Good morning, Emmanuel Baptist Church. Is Mary Green there, little girl? Kaylee, Pelly. Is Mary Green there? No, Mary Green's not here. Well, is church over already? My clock is blinking, and it says 11.45. <laughs> I said, no, honey, it's 6.30. Mary will be there. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, like, like, 
We have kids like Kaylee who desperately want to come to church. 6.30 in the morning, she phones. You know, is Mary Green there? Some of you can do that, right? <laughs> thank you for that enlightening bit of information. Thank you for clarifying that. I don't want you to call me at 6.30 in the morning either. But some of you can go pick up some of these kids, right? We're having, we're having to, to put in, in an extra kids' own class because we're having too many kids. That's a good problem to have. But we need people to teach those kids, to pick them up, to look after them. Sometimes all they need is just you to get down on one knee and, and, and give them a hug or something like that. Like, like They're not getting that. You know, it, it takes all of us here to do that. And so there are sign-up sheets out in the foyer. We connect, we grow, and we do what? Serve. That's our purpose for being a church, to connect, to grow, and to serve. And in doing that, we influence others to maturity. We influence people to maturity in Jesus Christ. But it takes all of us to do the work. And yeah, somebody has to wipe the bums around here, you know? Somebody has to do the dirty work. And it happens. And some of you have done it. I'm grateful for that. When somebody comes to me, the toilet's plugged, but I'm dealing with it. Thank you. Somebody threw up in the corner, but I'll clean it up. Thank you. But it takes all of us to do the work. And so there are sign-up sheets, and Lindsay is going to be back there twisting your arms, right? You can't leave the building until you've signed. I don't know how that works. But they made. Now, the Bible talked about willing people and generous people, but they did. Now, Moses was the one who put it, he was kind of the overseer, and God gave these two guys, Bezalel and Oholiab, special gifts. But God said, I've also given gifts to these other skilled craftsmen. And I've given Bezalel and Oholiab the ability to teach. If you don't know how to do something, Somebody can teach you. If you don't know what your gifts are, if you don't know what God wants you to do, you know, I dare you, put it out before the Lord. Say, Lord, all right, whatever. Whatever you want. But I'm not going to sit on my butt this winter and just come to church and then walk away from it. Because it takes all of us to make this place work. Connect to grow and to serve. The kids are back. we got to pray. We're out of here, okay? Father, thank you so much that I know there were adults that served me when I was a kid. And I know there are still adults that serve me. And I thank you for the way you put Emmanuel together. And Lord, the reality is we have enough people to do the work that you want us to do because you're the one who put this church together. So Lord, I pray that you would kick and prod and squeeze and whatever it's going to take for all of us to do the work around here so that we do the things that you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.